Made on Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver. Engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody. We're back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more lights, and more love. I'm very honored to have incredible guests today, Soren Dreyer. We're going to talk about mystical fields and so much more. But first, I need you to follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. If you haven't already, please follow me there. Spotify, there's a follow button. If you listen to your podcast on Spotify, click that follow button. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts, click the button that connects us so you get those notifications when new episodes premiere. And also, you know, the biggest thing, tell a friend, tell people you know that love these type of podcasts, that want to learn more about these topics and what these guests have to offer. Tell them about this place. Bring them here. You know them well. Bring them here. MidnightOnEarth.com. Well, I'm very honored to have Soren Dreyer with us. He's an incredible human being. So let's just read his bio and then we'll talk to him. Soren Dreyer is a healer, psychic, intuitive, and one of the few people in the world that senses the mystical fields and has the ability to tap into them. Soren authors and compiles the hugely popular SorenDreyer.com website. He has 25 years experience of readings, healings, and guidance. He provides both practical and spiritual guidance to clients across the globe. And he is well known all over the world for his extrasensory perception and abilities. Soren has appeared on numerous radio and TV shows and has traveled the world as a teacher at seminars and inspirational talks stunning audiences with his onstage readings and spiritual insight. Soren has studied the mystical fields in Greece and has undergone 30 years of spiritual and psychological training and insight. Soren currently lives in Spain and is the father of two children. Soren, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Jake, and you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate oh, I'm it. Ve- I'm very honored. I'm very honored <laughs> that you have well, me. We're going to get this information out there. We're trying to help people. We have so much to give, and you have yeah. so much to share. So we're really honored to have you on the show. Thank you. So let's talk about mystical fields first before we get yeah. into your life a little bit. What are these mystical fields that you're talking about? These mystical fields is somehow what connects us all, and it's also what we can connect us to if we don't know them sort of we can tap into them and uh, when i started my uh, esp um, i didn't understand it i was born as a child with extrasensoric perception and i was a very religious child my parents weren't i was brought up in a in a non-religious environment and um, i saw angelic beings i saw uh, spirit and nature spirits I, I saw a lot of things and uh, 
it wasn't a popular topic in my home, but um, I had a grandmother who, who understood it. And uh, so I spent a lot of my time with my grandmother and um, I had the ability to to sort of say what I wanted to say or make the observations I needed to to do. But it, it didn't fill all day, but she could take me on a walk. She lived across a graveyard, right? And she would tell me, I, I can't remember this myself, that uh, I would often describe what that person did who was buried there in the ground and what he died from. And some of them she would know, actually. And um, But <clears throat> my perception was, I'm I'm not special because everybody has has this. So how old were you when you had that experience? Like when did you first start to notice that you had these gifts? I think I started to notice around three, four toddler toddler years actually. Wow. Uh, well, but the the problem is, you know, <laughs> that toddlers they often talk to in brackets invisible friends, right? Sure. And uh, and it it was. Today, I'm not convinced that it's all invisible friends like uh, society would perceive them, but, but it's actually spirits, maybe. But, uh, and, uh, no, nah, I noticed it when, when uh, I, had a, I had an incident, I remember, being in first grade, and uh, my mother came in to wake me up and said, you, you, need, you really need to go to school now, you need to get up. No, no, he's sick, the teacher is sick, you know, that's when we had the same teacher all day. No, he isn't, get up. And I came home 15 minutes later, he's sick. <laughs> so we got sent home. Oh, wow. and, and that really scared my parents, that really scared <laughs> my parents. <laughs> Because they felt like you had access to some information that was outside of their sphere of what was coming in and out, and somehow you knew, and that, and they weren't religious, but you were seeing these angels, these like you said, nature spirits, and so they had a hard yeah. time processing that. Yeah, I spent a lot of my the best thing I had as a kid was my bicycle because I lived in a little village in uh, on the Skagerrak skies in the north of Jutland. Uh, with the Vikings and, and all the headstones and what, wow. and it it was it was magical. And I would I would take my bicycle and ride out in nature and read the frequencies of nature, tap into the Vikings, and but but I mostly kept it to myself. I mostly kept it to myself because you felt like the you could be ridiculed, or also because they could just write you off as uh, having a vivid imagination. Yeah, and uh, I would say a lot of my childhood, but it, it it's not a complaint. It's it's not a sorrow I have that I was on my lonesome, right, my own lonesome, because I I had the gifts that uh, the gift of nature, and uh, I I just again I thought that every everybody saw this, but apparently they didn't. So yeah, I spent a lot of time uh, by myself out in nature, and uh, but does it seem like people? do have the ability to see these things, but we just have undeveloped filters or we've placed blocks on the, the information that's coming in because it doesn't fit into the normal paradigm. Yeah, I, I think, I actually think it's a setup, right? Uh, I did a post recently about it, the assassination of your ESP, how we are forced into the left brain world as children, right? And if two doesn't make two, sorry, if two plus two doesn't make four, um, to me it always made five because there was there was this extra digit I had to contemplate. And um, so basically, we, we are told that uh, 
what we are perceiving, what we are seeing, what we are sensing is false information because they are not there. And uh, <clears throat> I think according to Rudolf Steiner, who uh, who uh, kind of made it his own uh, child's psychology, um, that ability uh, certainly gets gets uh, pounded when you're about seven years old when you enter the school system. Right. They really don't nurture that. In fact, they suppress it. So then you start to lose those sensory abilities, you think? Yeah, because for me, the extrasensory perception is not based in the intellect. It's based in the emotional software. And um, if you can't get society, you can't get the school system, you can't get uh, people to talk about our emotional intelligence other than nag, nag, nag below solar plexus energy. Nag, they, they love to talk about that, but the heart base, the frontal base, the pineal gland, the crown base, no, no, please, please stay away with that. We don't understand it. We don't, <laughs> we, we, we don't want it. We don't want it. As long as you are bickering on an emotional level, we're comfortable because then we can do what we like to behind your back. But we don't want you up there saying, I really love this place. I really love uh, my school pals, I really love this uh, world. It's so beautiful. Nah, there's a problem there and there's a problem there. Yeah, but it's still beautiful. So you think that general, the general paradigm nurtures conflict instead of uh, building bridges of love and connection with each other? Yeah. yeah. First, first of all, connection. Because out of the connection, I, I see the love emerging, right? We we just connected, and I uh, I pick up this very positive vibe, and so do you. And uh, yes. so the connect the, the connection comes first, and then we can express our sympathy or love or what we want to label it as. But that that's how it goes, I think. <clears throat> so when did you think, or what was the point you felt like it was your calling to help other people to use your gifts that you had to heal other people? I started with uh, educating myself in, uh, in Copenhagen University of Copenhagen in development psychology, but it it's, it was very theoretical. But okay, it, it has to be. But then I went out and got uh, a position for CEO at a very big institution with the mentally uh, disabled, because I, I my drive, my urge was to heal, right? And um, after that. I think I was there for five years. I opened a private institution for boys and girls uh, who had been exposed to incest and uh, all that. And I I did that for five years. And uh, then I started to work in the field of of, uh, ESP, but I also used it during those years, but very discreetly. But I I could feel a shift in myself. And... um, I thought, no, I won't be in the system anymore. I have to do my own thing. So I let go. And um, then I started to do these talks and uh, weekends. And uh, <clears throat> I think it was. So w- when you had these years of doing this mental health work and other types of yeah. uh, traditional work, you were using these gifts that you had in your toolkit. Like you, yeah. as part of your strategy, but you didn't really tell people, but that could be why you had such a high success rate and they promoted you to these high positions because you were so uh, functional. You were so 
healing with people. I was I was actually uh, headhunted uh, because they wanted to change the system in the early 80s. It was very cold towards especially disabled people, right? And uh, they were living under horrid uh, circumstances. And I said, yeah, I'll take the job if you will allow me to change it. And we changed it to something where, you know, the, the client or the resident would be the most important person in the room and, and not the TV set. And uh, went for walks, trips, uh, we went for a vacation in the Mediterranean, which was unheard of. And uh, we did a lot of cool stuff. And uh, so I think some empathy got infused into it. And that's really what that area needed at that time. I can't take all the credit for that. But uh, yeah, but you were out there then doing talks, doing these yeah. readings for people after that point in your career. Yeah. I hit a I, I hit a crisis and and that was a very important crisis in my life. I was tell me about um, that. I was very busy with I think I had five speaking engage no four speaking engagement each week and then a weekend seminar. I was so exhausted and at one point <clears throat> um, when I would go to sleep, it was like a hundred watt light bulb turning on on in my head. Everything became light and I couldn't sleep. And uh, <clears throat> I called a psychologist, I knew a colleague, and said, Karen, I think I'm in trouble. And she said, yeah, you might be, but it's not me that you need. You need uh, this person. So I went to a person who, uh, what? who were what you would say, you know, just a wise being. And... Uh, she said, okay, have you, would you like regressional therapy? I said, yeah, if, if that does it. And uh, through that, at some point, at this time, um, I didn't have any relationship with prior lives or, or anything. She said, do, do, do you believe in reincarnation? I said, I, I don't know. I don't remember it. Let's try. And then she went straight into it, and so did I. Um, I wasn't hypnotized. I wasn't induced with anything, just just closing my eyes and she would guide me, right? And um, <clears throat> then I went into these past lives, which were mostly very boring. And um, But some of them, some of them, actually, by the grace of the synchronicity of the universe, got confirmed to me a couple of days later. I was, I was in, a, in a past life in, a, in um, South America. <clears throat> and uh, I couldn't, I think it was the Incas. And... Um, I um, were giving this talk, and this guy came up with a book. And uh, normally, you know, when you're out uh, speaking, a lot of people approach you, so there, there isn't time to talk to anybody. But I thought, okay. He said, I, I was told in a dream to give you this book. And I said, okay, there's my name and address in it, and if you would kindly return it when you're done, yeah, sure. On page 50 in that book was the exact same thing I saw in that uh, in that re 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 regression, wow. right? And and I thought, wow! And uh, yeah. the, the same, and the same with a couple of others. So I went through, I think, three months of a deep, deep existential crisis where I had to turn my inner value system, my true north, into understanding that wow, I'm eternal. On top of all this, I'm also eternal, and I and I can prove it, <laughs> almost right. So. And, and from there on, the, the, the different fields in me, the different energetics in me settled and uh, understood, understood uh, my purpose. I see. And could you say that what you do and what you were discovering could be perceived as 
magic in a way, in a classical sense, would they have defined your gifts as magic in prehistory? No, they wouldn't. No. No, it was a natural thing. Right. Yeah. So this and, was uh, this was coming I, from within. I, I recently did an audience for the guy for the people in my guidance group called um, Positive Rituals about celebrating dusk. You know how how we forget to celebrate dusk. Dusk from 50 years ago, 75 years ago. You know they would gather on the porch. They would watch the light fade, and they would try. They would tell stories, right? And the seer in the family, every family had a seer, would sort of tell stories and connect to the astral plane or whatever. You know, it, it was an hour of magic. Right. Now it's uh, the news. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that interesting how these forces that we talked about pre-interview, we talked about some of these forces that are working behind the scenes, they put these things in place energetically on purpose to divert us from experiencing these natural energies that are out there. Cause I feel that that energy at dusk as well. You feel the transition of day into night and, and the same thing around four or five in the morning when, when night is turning into day, there's a special feeling. It's almost as if the veil between the worlds is thinner at that time. Yeah, and, and spoken in Ayurvedic language, the, the dusk is the kapha, the dense, the densicity, and uh, the morning is the pizza, the rising. So, and they place the whole system of health on, on these energies, right? Definitely. Yeah. So, so, so Soren, what is going on in the world right now from your perspective. Clearly, you're a sensitive person, you're highly intelligent, you have an incredible amount of experience. I'm sure your insight on what is going on in the world is very strong. Where are we at as humans? Clearly, it's a transitional time, but what is going on? I think <clears throat> what is going on on an energetical level is both, it's always two sides of the same coin, right? It's both po positive and very negative. It's very negative for people who are not in the know of who they really are. It's, 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 it's very sad. For people who are in the know of who they really are, it's a really good opportunity. It's a really good opportunity. So let your energies not go into victimization to... Um, to lift the spirit where, where you go, where you go. And uh, obviously, there are two forces at play. We can go into the biblical <clears throat> way of saying it. There's the darkness and there's the light colliding, right? <clears throat> and uh, we know, and that's my strong belief, uh, Jake, that if you look at history, you know, the Soviet Union didn't last that long. Nazi Germany didn't last that long. Even the, the Roman kingdom didn't last that long. This will pass. And I predicted that it should pass about 2025. And I really hope that prediction is, is, uh, is, is, is true, will, will come to show. But what's going on now is that instead of a mass fascism, or they're trying to introduce mass fascism, they're actually sparking the greatest awakening, I think, in, the, in known history. So you feel like these forces that are out there, there's forces that are 
in play that are suppressing humanity for some reason. I'm not really sure why they're doing it, but it's, it's clearly out there. You can see these movements trying to keep humanity from evolving, keeping us in a lower, dense, energetic state. Yeah. Why, why they're doing it? I think it's because it's ghoulish. They want to suck your energy, and they can suck it if you're scared. So there are people actually, there's energy beings feeding off the negative energy that we're emitting from our fear, from our anxiety, because of what we're being fed from the outside world. It's creating fear, it's creating anxiety, which then generates it's, this energy that they're, these, are they beings or people, or do people just love the power and that's where the feeding comes from? What is feeding Both, on? both, both. They're, they're, they're both non-biological beings known as the dark side, ghouls, right? They, they feed on fear. They feed on fear. And uh, they are having the meal of the – I think they're all obesive right now, but they're still eating. <laughs> and, uh, and then we have people who are influenced by ghoulies, by the ghoulies uh, frequency, right, that we refer to as uncompromised sociopaths, psychopaths, who doesn't have one single emotion in their entire body, who are hollow souls, who just want power, power to suck money to suck admiration to suck yeah to stimulate the little ego because the soul is unknown to them or they wouldn't do this <laughs> so do you feel like those people are humans though they have the spark of life the spark of divinity within them but something happened in their life that made them into a hollow person or were they yeah. or that was there some kind of biological situation where their brains malformed and then that led them to that life. I think both. Okay. Both. Yeah. Wow. So really there's this energetic field and there's a series of different fields and we're all interrelating emotions, create fields and actions create fields. So how can we strengthen our fields in order to make it through this time of, of great stress and suppression? We can, foremost, we can step out of fear. Uh, my uh, <clears throat> my mantra on that is, I'm in this world, but not of it. Because, and Jesus said that, right? Yes. Uh, I'm in this world, but not of it. And that's the key for me. That's, that's such advice. Because if we are in a situation we identify with, we're in this world and in it. If we observe a situation and we do not identify with it, we are in this world, but not of it. It's such a huge step going from, be, going from being the participant to the observer. That doesn't mean we disengage and we don't think it's interesting. Uh, both you and I do, and we do our daily work to, to tell people this is what's going on. So that doesn't mean we're disengaged. We're just detached from the emotional mud of this situation because, and that's what I experience every day. I live in Spain where the mask is mandatory, right? I don't wear the mask, I wear it around my neck um, because um, <clears throat> I always get a little frustrated when people say, don't don't go with mask, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's like 6,000 euro fine and that's like $7,000, so it's 30 years in jail. Set up a uh, GoFundMe page and I'll be happy to walk the streets without my mask, right? Uh, because it's a different reality, I mean. But <clears throat> people come and say, well, you should wear a mask. And 
so far I've been good at, you know, just saying, no, I, I don't give in to fear, I won't. Yeah, but you're making us all say, I seriously doubt that. <laughs> but but we, we, we have a choice, we have a choice. And um, it's to be in their world of fear and not of it. And I, I, I can't go there. I, I, my soul can't go there. I, my soul feels uncomfortable if I have to submit, if I have to go into um, sort of this slavery mode of, uh, I don't know. Well, I think it's because your soul resonates with something differently. It's not divine truth. You're looking at this information that's being fed to you, and it's not truth so it doesn't resonate with you as something real it resonates with you as something that's artificial and shouldn't be in place yeah yeah and and then and and, and that and they're trying to sell me the fear and, and i don't buy it i don't buy it there was a beautiful story a day's a beautiful story about buddha in the mountains he's giving a lecture in the mountains and the first day this student come on to him and say you're you're stupid yeah. nobody <laughs> wants to listen to it. and the second day he goes you're even more stupid now. I'm here the second day. And the first day, he has allies. They all attack Buddha. And Buddha says, and, and, and the man says, you know, wipe off that silly grin and tell me. Why don't you respond to me? Why don't you respond to me? And the Buddha says, if somebody wants to give you a gift and you don't want it, who has the gift? So let the fear be in the person who, who wants to give it to you. Leonard Cohen has a song lyric that says, when fear knocks at your door, deny delivery. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, so that's sort of a positive affirmation to, to take with. But it's also because people are basically going into critical mass fear now that they can't contain it. So they have to act it out. And that's why they get more and more hostile. So essentially, this matrix, though, that you're talking about, Soren, is yeah. not a computer-generated matrix like in the movie, but we're talking about something that was created by humans that was put on top of the earth and also just believed to be something that was real. And then all the humans existed in it, and we forgot that we created it. But when you're yeah. outside of that... You're truly in cosmic consciousness. You're truly shifting away from your singular life as Soren or Jake Weaver. You're shifting away from that, getting in touch with your eternal life, and then being a part yes. of cosmic consciousness. And then you could still yes. work within this world. Doesn't mean, like you said, that you're detached from it. You're just in a place where you're getting information from source, from the universe, and then working within this world to make it better. Yeah where you don't identify, and that's so important because I don't walk these streets as a holy person in special clothes. I walk these streets as, as a citizen, right? But <clears throat> whenever we can do that, we can say, I'm in this world, but not of it. We actually strengthen our bond to the universe, the cosmos, or like I like to refer to, the field of the Christ. And um, it has nothing to do with you or, you or me feeling better, superior, elitist. It's just, no, I don't want your fear. I don't want your fear. It's the same as a person telling you, you should really lock your, your bike, Jake, because it can get stolen. No, I don't believe it'll get stolen. So it's a fear-based reaction. It's a stupid reaction if you're in downtown, in the city you live, right? 
Then it's called Pray to Jesus, but lock your bike. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, it, it's, it's not giving into all this uh, fear porn. But <clears throat> fear is such substantial meal for for other people. You know, uh, they get energy from dominating you. They get energy from uh, everything. And uh, well, like you said, think about all the people that have used fear as a weapon of control and destruction yeah, yeah. and genocide throughout history. And then here we are yeah. right now in this time in human history, and here's fear being used as a weapon against consciousness right now, and it's, it's on a global scale. Yeah, and it's, uh, I, I posted an article last week about this, uh, got revealed that the, the British government had this PSYOPs group of psychiatrists who knew how to put the fear of God into people, the fear of COVID into people. And so it, they basically operated from, uh, from a game plan. Was I surprised? And were you surprised, Jake? No. No, no. no because I've been no. studying this for probably as long as you have, even though you're older than me. I started very yeah. young. So uh, I know because I've been watching these patterns. I've been watching this develop over 30 years. And anybody that has a little bit of intelligence that can just look at what's out there publicly can put the pieces together and see how this is all being manipulated for some end. What do you think their goal is there. Do you think these nefarious forces, do you really think their goal is to just dominate the world and make all humans slaves except for the elites or is it demonic yep, or yep, really yep, you think the first yep. option? That's the, that's the payoff of politicians and bureaucrats and whoever have this need for controlling other people on a higher level it's fueled by these schools, these schoolish uh, uh, beings, non-biological beings that control that level of uh, the cake, so to speak. But how does that work when everything's made out of God? Like all these beings, the ghouls, the angels, the aliens, and us, and the earth, it's all made out of God. So how is this happening within this sphere? Are we just spent meant to learn the lessons from these experiences? Yeah, I think, and uh, <clears throat> when I said Jake, <clears throat> and that was that was something I really needed to contemplate a long time because it pushed some uh, boundaries in me. We, if we can say, yeah, being in this world but not of it could be the key to not going into all this fear, and, and it makes us observant, right? It's on the same level as if we are in a in a discussion at the workplace and we don't really say it and we we identify with with it and we somehow we don't say it but when we come home we think i should have said i could have said oh this is what was going on that puts us in the observer so we can see the dynamic at display right but <clears throat> if we can say we're in this world and not of it maybe the god force Jake, is in this world but not of it uh. it doesn't it doesn't interfere. It doesn't interfere. Interesting. It, 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 it interferes on a personal level by what we see as uh, divine intervention, but not not in the big scheme of things. It doesn't. It doesn't, because we don't have a controlling God. So that's what you have. the The conclusion that you've come to is that the divine that that whatever that mystery is is letting earth kind of go based on free will and people's choices and develop on its own. But there is no, some no. encouragement. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes and no, but it has to be 
detached. Uh, it's like <clears throat> Jesus says, if you lift a stone, you can find me there. If you take a piece of wood, you can find me there. He's talking about the unified field. Right. The God force, the God force is everywhere. But the God force doesn't come and say, like an entity, uh, into whatever institution we have on this planet, you are not allowed to do that. The God force <laughs> doesn't work that way. Yeah, clearly because, uh, we've seen that throughout history, that we wish that yeah. would have happened and it didn't. No, it doesn't. Because where are we heading, Jake, on an energetical level, you and me and everybody else? We are, we are gods in the making. We are celestial beings. So it wouldn't it, it, it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't help us if 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 uh, the God force fought so. But I'm sure the God force is working very stealth, very hidden, and it's working through uh, people on the planet. And that's fine. That's fine. So it does show up in those moments, helping people, working with people on the planet. And I think that also, if you intentionally choose to tap into that God force, then that God yeah. force will respond and work with yes. you. Yes, indeed. But it doesn't change the collective. It right. changes the collective via you and me, via a million, two million, 10 million, 500 million other people. Well, what do you think about the concept of people raising their vibration? And if enough people raise their vibration, then that will change the that, prevailing that frequency. Yes, that will change it. Okay. That, that, that's critical mass. Now there's too much. I'm sorry about my expression. Now there's too much God force in the world. So now we can't make this shit anymore. We can't make the shit fly. Uh, the fear shit fly anymore. So we better stand down. Yeah, that moment will come. And it's critical mass moment. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. And it takes people developing on their own, building themselves spiritually, uh, personal development, becoming a more loving person, becoming a more service-oriented person. And if each person does that, eventually, like you said, we'll hit that critical mass. We'll hit the critical mass, yes. Well, that's, that's good. That feels good to know that that's coming. Yeah, but that's the way I can explain it from an energetical point of view. And many might agree on because I thought, whoa, that's kind of a statement to say the God force is in this world, but not of it. Because it, But it's detachment. What what was Buddha? What was Jesus? Detached. Right. That, that's the God force, right? But de detachment is such a tricky word because detachment can also be understood as, nah, not interested. It's not up to my little ego to help this situation. No, no, no. I'm, I'm so detached. I'm so spiritual. So I really don't give a shit. And that's being detached. No, it isn't. No, it's being that's callous. Being that's, that's a sociopathic trait. Right. To say, I'll help, I'll help these people, but I don't want anything for it because I see it as my purpose on this planet. And, and you know, that, that's quite a different uh, starting point. Well, let's talk about the energy of friction. Because it seems yeah. like right now there's some sort of suppression of tension. We, like you were, we were talking about pre-interview, uh, th those forces that we're talking about that are seeming to be in control of how information and things move, governments and things like that, they, they want everybody to think the same way. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. <clears throat> if we see with the woke, the woke movement, right? 
they don't they don't allow these outer perimeters point of view anymore, which really isn't outer perimeter. It's it they're closing very, very much in on the mainstream thoughts, the mainstream way of conducting yourself. Um, I never understood why social media has to censor anybody, because if a guy is a racist and he want to talk about that and he says I'm a racist, fine. Fine with me, because he's the best racist repellent I can ever find. <laughs> he's the best, you know. And if we, if we, if he doesn't create that friction within my consciousness, I'm not able to stand up to real racism instead of woke racism. And um, so we're really dependent on this very different understanding of a problem, very different interpretation of what's going on, but. To create friction within us, within our consciousness, because friction is energy, and energy is evolvement. If they take that away, and that's behind the woke, that's behind the woke. They're removing friction. Without friction, there can't be creativity. There can't be evolvement. There can't be anything other than, okay, we'll all follow what is dictated, because we really can't make up our own opinion. That's so dangerous. Because everything evolves through friction. Our heartbeats, friction. We make love, friction. We contemplate friction. Everything we do, we drive from one place to another, friction. We die, friction. We get born, friction. Everything is friction. And if they block it, we are F-U-C-K-E-D. Correct. And, that, and that's why it's so important to create friction back and said, no, I won't take it. I won't have it. Yes, we need to have these places for open dialogue. And even if you don't agree with the person, like you said, they're extremely racist. Well, at least you know, A, that that person is racist and B, maybe you can help them evolve. Maybe you can give them information in, in a polite and, you know, maybe you don't agree with them. Obviously, you don't agree with racism, but you give them information that might help them change their perspective. And then they realize that the, the racism, that frequency is wrong and they shouldn't exist within that frequency. And then they become a better person. But without that polarity, then how are people going to grow? We, we won't know. We won't know. It's really interesting. Why is humanity in this place right now? Is the friction coming from these ghouls, coming from these nefarious forces in a greater sense, in order to create the energy to bypass all that. Do you think that's what's going on? Yeah, on, on one level, Jake, because if you get submitted to friction, uh, it can be interpreted as confrontation, right? Confrontations are always friction, but they're high-impact friction. So people who are fear-based, they don't want a confrontation. They create no friction. It's us, you and me, that's the problem. We create the friction. Right. We're the ones questioning. We're the ones pointing out the yeah. uh, hypocrisies and inconsistencies. So without yeah. that, then it's just completely homogenized with no real room for evolution. Yeah. If I present an idea to you and you say, no, sir, and you totally misunderstood that. I can get girly offended or I can say, okay, Jake, what did I misunderstand, right? And we have a situation of friction. That's not a confrontation, but a friction. You're trying to teach me something, I'm, I'm listening, right? And that's how we evolve. 
if that goes away, not cool. Right. We really need that friction to grow, like we were saying. Okay, Soren, I want to talk to you a little bit more about these mystical fields because I looked up the definition of electromagnetic because everybody talks about, spiritual people, conscious people talk about how we are electromagnetic beings. So I looked up the word electromagnetic just so people that are new, that people who are just being exposed to this information, they're trying to understand. And it said relating to the interrelation of electric currents or fields and magnetic fields. So all matter, humans, life, animals, everything is just a series of interrelated electrical currents and magnetic fields. So how do our magnetic fields interact with each other? How does that work? It obviously works on a frequency level. And going some years back, I tried to solve the mystery of ESP. And I asked people also with ESP how they perceived their ESP was in its an, an anatomy, right? But I, I understood it when I studied quantum physics, because in quantum physics, everything is connected. And uh, the same with electromagnetism. Everything is connected. Earlier in human history, before our continued indoctrination into a more material existence, were we more energy-based? Were we understanding more that we had this interconnected field that we were a part of and that was lost over time? Was it more of a general understanding? If you think of ancient Egypt and you think of the great mystical cultures of prehistory, did they understand this more? Yeah, I think they did. Um, especially the Australian Aboriginals. Really? They communicate through, uh, I don't remember the name of, of their musical instrument, but it's almost like hearing a Tibetan monk, right? Yeah, the didgeridoo. Yeah. And that pulses frequencies that are connected to nature. Really? Yeah, they attract whales in the south of Australia, and then to watch the whale. That's incredible. So they did understand this in prehistory, but as we became more survival-oriented, as we became more obsessed with material things, in a general sense, as humans, just collectively, we started to lose the understanding of our electromagnetic connections, of our of our connectedness as as a species. Yes. The Native American Indian, you know, they had these, um, it's a well-known story. Um, they had these soldiers during World War II. Who, the long hair was connected to the universe, and uh, it was the antenna. And uh, when it got cut, they couldn't find the track. They couldn't find the track. Right. Yeah. I have heard that story. Yes, they, they cut their hair as army issue haircuts. When you join the army, you get a haircut. These Native Americans yeah. had very long hair. That's kind of why I have long hair. I have very long hair. I think about that all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, they cut their hair. They lost their tracking abilities. Then the army decided, hey, let's let them keep their hair. And when they did, they maintained that ability. So there's something about our hair that it connects us to these fields that are out there yeah. and we pick up this information. And our skin and our nervous systems and our, 
energetical vortex is our chakras, right? Right. Yeah. But if we take the, the knowledge and the tradition down from that, uh, we, we perceive ourselves as being non-connected. So we have our cell phone. Right. Be happy with that. But isn't the social media, the cell phones, aren't they reawakening this collective consciousness because we're able to interact with people all over the world? Just like I'm talking with you in Spain right now with our technology. But just the fact that you can instantly communicate with people all over the world, is that somehow strengthening our collective field? Yes, if if you're in the know about it. But if you're not, you... uh, you get dependent on these machines, right? Right, because they do create endorphins and, and other reactions in our brain. Yeah, yeah, and we have uh, outside the cell phone, outside Skype, outside everything, you know, still telepathic connection to each other. It's really interesting because you can feel if you're texting with someone and you're waiting for their response, you can feel them reading your text. And, and yeah. as you await their response, as if you're having a traditional conversation where the energy is going back and forth, it's really interesting exactly. how that works. So the people that are tuning into that, maybe they're gaining something from that because they're seeing that there's energy outside of this dimension. Maybe it does have some sort of beneficial effect, even though it's suppressing so many people and keeping them addicted. It depends on if they... If they are your master, or you still see yourself as the master of your device. <laughs> that's a really good point, Soren. Yeah, 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 it is. Because that's, what, that's what's going on, right? We become dependent. Are these phones a step-by-step process to implantable devices like a microchip? It seems yeah. like these phones are the external microchip, and as they become more yeah. advanced and more advanced, these forces that wish to keep humanity down will tell us that we should have them implanted, and then that's going to affect us. How? How do you think that's going to affect us? It's going to affect us into submission. Because they'll because be able if, to control our fields if, with that chip if internally. They, if, they, if they cut your feet, feet Jake, you're... You're all by your lonesome. They're doing it in China, right, with the social point system. Right, the social credit score. Uh, yeah. So that, that's kind of, you know, both the, the carrot and the stick. The carrot is you feel connected. The stick is if you do something out of bounds, disconnect. Uh, I know. That's really, it's really terrible because we don't want to give – any governmental agency that level of control over our lives even here in america we always viewed at least when we founded this country we viewed government as a necessary evil to be kind of kept in check and never really let out of a certain boundary but now in 2021 that was back in the 1700s back now in 2021 american government is pretty much totalitarian it's getting very close to that totalitarian point yeah yeah. Have you noticed, Jake, that people are communicating with smileys? Yes, the emojis. Yeah, they're taking our emotional language away. I don't have to tell you I love you. I can just send a heart. Uh, but but could that be kind of like hieroglyphics in a way, like where the symbols no, represent? No, no, no. 
no, 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 no. They're taking our emotional language away. Because it's also uh, what is known as meta messaging, right? I really don't like what you do. Hard emoji. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> right, it's a conflicting message. It's just like... Uh, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, you, uh, really, excuse me, but I didn't like what you said there. Hard and praying hands in a rose. <laughs> Why not just... I'm, I'm getting confused here. I'm getting confused. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's simplifying. Because, because simple is the strongest thing we have. It goes for communication, but if you examine the emotional language of teenagers, it's it's very poor. It is. It's, I have teenage yeah. children, and I often yeah. look at their lack of grammar skills and their lack of, you know, communication uh, it, generationally. You know, it's like their generation. It's not them personally, and it frustrates me a little bit. I was like, hey, you know, let's figure out how to communicate more effectively, more thoroughly. Versus these very yeah. short sound bites that don't take a lot of brain power to p- process. I think that's part of it. They don't want you to think very much. So if you can process oh. the information with the least amount of energy as possible, then that's one more method of keeping humanity suppressed. Yeah. Also by taking the emotional language away. Right. Yeah. Well, we talk about these things, but the the positive thing is that it does seem like collectively we're on the road to a new earth, a heaven on earth scenario, and this is just kind of the growing pains, the birthing pains of a new consciousness. What are your thoughts about that? Exactly what you're saying. You agree with that statement? Yeah. So what what are these birthing processes and how long do you think this period of humanity will last? I know we talked about how these negative points in human history only last short times. How long yeah. do you think it will be until we reach this new earth? I know it's correlating with the age of Aquarius and various other factors. I mean, is it on the horizon or are we talking like hundreds or even a thousand years away? I think it's 50, 50 years away. Wow. So if that level of growth is going to happen that fast, that means that we're going to be dealing with some serious stress and and uh, friction, like you said, to push us yeah, into friction. that world. What I hope for, Jake, in my soul is that another Carrington event can put a lot of these things out of business, right? The solar flare and uh, the system goes down. And we're entering a very, very intensive solar flare cycle of the sun. So all communication could go in a day. Yes. Yeah, we'd and be like the a media, BMP pulse. If the, media, if the media doesn't work, the fear factory doesn't work. Yes, it, it, did, it does seem that with the instant communication, with the ability to interact with everybody instantly it did create a situation that held us back because they're able to spread the information the fear that much faster yeah and that's the god force at work by not creating the event but having the synchronicity of putting this corona shit show into that solar cycle (laughs) 
Exactly. The synchronicity is we're in this yeah. bubbling thing, and then the solar flare comes and wipes out yeah. the the ability for us to communicate electromagnetically with our devices. And then we're just left back with the natural paradigm, the earth and the divine paradigm that's there already. Yeah. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's a lot to think about. So I think it's, it's both, Jake. It's both the, the race of the field of consciousness awareness. But I also think it's the planet responding to all that fear. Our planet is a living being, right? Yes. And if we reach critical mass, so do Mother Earth. And she will start to cast out, cast out the fear, uh, <clears throat> cast off the fear, together with our solar system, our galaxy, with our sun. And uh, I think it will all go into one big celestial event. Right, because the the Earth, a living being, the Earth will feel this dis-ease, this ailment, and will want to correct it via the means that it has to correct it, outside of our understanding, but the Earth understands it, and then it will push that fear vibration off the planet as it wants to heal on its own. Yeah, yeah, and want to heal the, the people on it, the beings on it. So is there an extraterrestrial component? Are there angels? Are these are there intermediary beings that are coming in our dimension to help us get to that new earth scenario? Yeah, on a personal level, yes. Tell me about that more. It's uh, <clears throat> I experience with the clients I have, they feel they feel a closeness to celestial forces, they feel uh, angelic beings, they feel they, they feel these uh, non-biological beings of light being very close, closer than ever. And uh, I, I don't question that. I, I, I do the same in my life. I, I feel a strong, strong uh, alignment to what I like to describe as the field of the Christ, right? With uh, all the mythology in that. and uh, Yeah, me too. And, yeah, and the angelic beings. And uh, it's wonderful. And so even though, like we were talking about earlier, the divine may be in this world, but obviously not of it and letting it kind of go on its own, yeah. there are still these extra dimensional intermediary forces like uh, extraterrestrials or angels that are working to help us. They are not under celestial lockdown. They're free to do what they want and they want to help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it seems like, you know, there's so much life out there in the universe. And in order to be able to travel to other galaxies, you have to reach a certain level of spiritual development as a being yeah. in order to yeah. access the higher technology that you would need in order to do that. So all of those beings that are out there looking in on us, we just talked about last episode that there are over 1,000 galaxies that have a direct line of sight with earth and so these yeah. these beings from these galaxies they're watching us and they're seeing us in this lower evolutionary state and they want us yeah. to evolve they want us to do better they want they want us to get to where they're at yeah but they also know the the road to getting where they are and it's it's a road paved with mystery until everything transcends right Paid with agony, paid with suffering, maybe. That is part of the deal. But then 
when you leave this dimension after you die, you realize that it was all an illusion and every aspect of it was perfectly intertwined by the divine, which is very interesting to process because you think about the good things, the bad things that happen and get all of it is seeming to be part of some divine plan and everything is kind of perfect as it is. Yes. But we mustn't give in to that. Everything is not as it should be necessarily right now, right? Because right. that's kind of a new age argument I can't subscribe to. Everything is maybe as it should be, but everything isn't looking good. So we have to change it. Right. And maybe that action of change is part of the divine plan. You making the choice to do that change is part of the yeah. plan that was already in place. If you don't act upon something, well, there's no celestial forces who, who, who help you because there's nothing they can help you with. Right. But when you do yeah. tap into that, you do ask for that help. Let me tell you, I can tell you personally, that help is there and they will help you from other dimensions get to where you need to go. Exactly. Which is amazing and then it shows the vastness of the divine experience. Because but, but, but before they, they would relate to your frequency or mine we have to show them that we are ready to take on our task we have to set one foot in front of the other if we don't they stay away ah right because, because they're not forcing you to do anything it's like the law of attraction right uh, <clears throat> this person <clears throat> a person in great misery can say well i'm in great misery and the law of attraction thinks well she loves misery so we'll give her some more Right, because we get what we send out there. If we think, no, I like some, I like to find a boyfriend. Well, get out of the house. We'll help you. Right, right. It, yeah, it, you're not going to find it, a partner it, if you don't leave the house. It 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 is that simple. I, I once did a reading. <laughs> it was in the start of my career. I said, I remember because he called me. I said, yeah, you will find a boyfriend. Yeah, you will in November. She called me in February. I said, I didn't find a boyfriend in November. I'd like to complain. I said, okay, what did you do? What did you do? Nothing. What? You didn't go out? No. <laughs> Why? Because you said he would be there. Oh, so we're talking about the mailman or what? <laughs> <laughs> because he's the only person that came around. She had to actually go out to some place to interact with other humans in order for the experience that you felt to take place. But she completely yeah. closed that with her free will, yeah. which is kind of inter yeah. interesting because it shows that free will can interact and kind of interject with things that are potentially pre-planned. Yeah, that complaint taught me a lot <laughs> because <laughs> – we, we have to provide the circumstances to let the universe do its job. If we don't, it can't get, in, it can't get to us. Right. If you can't find the circumstances, you have to make the circumstances. Yes, exactly. Wow. So, Soren, I, I did talk about earlier when we read your bio that you had two children. So I have to ask yeah. you, do any of your children show any signs of the same gifts that you have? Yeah, they both do uh, sort of very stealthed. And uh, one is a very successful YouTuber, and uh, my daughter is uh, working with uh, vulnerable people. Really? And do they but, use some yeah. of these gifts, like, like the ESP, like the energy reading that you, you use? 
Yeah, they use empathy a lot. Wow. How does that make you feel as a dad? Proud. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. I bet. They, and were, were they ever um, questioning of your abilities when they were younger, or were they always supportive? They were always supportive. I, I took them to some events, but they didn't grow up in a spiritualized home. You know, I, I, that's not me. You know, children can evolve and, uh, they are self-taught, and um, I'm very proud of them, yes. Ah, that's incredible. <laughs> uh, so, Soren, we're addressing the world right now. Me and you are having this incredible conversation. We've touched on so many subjects that are positive, that will help people grow and expand, and really, really high-frequency discussion we're having. But is there something that we didn't talk about that you want to leave people with that, that you feel like, people should really know right now with the world the way it is? I think uh, people should be aware of the impending lockdown, lockdowns that, that's underway, right, here for the summer, especially in Europe maybe. Yes. But also don't make any big Christmas plans because what we're seeing, the pattern is that they target, you, they target people where they're most vulnerable, around the Easter, around Christmas, around their vacation. That's where people really, really feel lonely, right? If they can't be together as a unit, as a family unit or with friends. And until they have the vaccines number they need, they'll keep on stressing these uh, high impact emotional traditions we have, like summer vacation, like Christmas, like Easter. So um, watch out for that. So it seems like they're pushing these energetic kind of like uh, experiences where you feel like you're going to get out of lockdown. You feel like you're going to have this freedom. And then as soon as these big events come around, like summer or Christmas, like you're saying, that's when they instill Boom. the new rules. And then you're emotionally Boom. crushed. You're energetically crushed. It's Shaganah. And uh, I have one more thing. Yes. Don't be, don't be grateful. When they lift the lockdown, don't be grateful. When they give you freedom, don't be grateful. That is the Stockholm Syndrome. You never did anything wrong. Do not be grateful for them letting you, giving you two months freedom. Be grateful to yourself towards you endured it, but don't be grateful to the system. Right, because they were the one that put it in the, there in the first place. And like you're saying, it's Stockholm Syndrome where you start to sympathize with your captors' uh, yeah, <laughs> motivations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're all trapped in the cinema and you can buy a hot dog. Oh, thank you, thank you. I'm so great. <laughs> no. No. But it, it, are they doing this to correlate with some evolutionary growth period that's happening in humanity? Did they, is, is that also by design? Like, are we at a growth stage? And then the response to that would be these almost draconian yeah. lockdowns. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Wow. Yeah. So, so, so sometimes, you know, it's, it's not cool to be a pawn on the chessboard when we are talking about our citizens. It's much better to be the board, to know, to know how the to know how the game is played. And at some point, you know, we'll have to say no as humans. If they keep pushing, if they keep instilling yeah. more and more draconian situations, we'll have to rise up as humans and say no 
at some point. No, yeah. we will not accept that. We will not do those things. Just like in World War II, you think about what happened there. At some point, they had to say no, and the world fought back. Yeah. You know, perhaps we may have to create some friction. <laughs> you create some, some serious friction. <laughs> Some serious friction. <laughs> Soren, thank you so much for being on the show. I want to tell everybody about your website. It's sorendryer.com. That's Soren, S-O-R-E-N, Dryer, D-R-E-I-E-R.com. You can go there. You can learn more about Soren and what he does. He has personal guidance sessions that he can create with you where he can, where he's like a life coach. He does remote healing. He does readings. There's so much that he does that if you need that type of service, if you need that experience, he's there for you. And I highly recommend it. Please go there. Check out his website. All of you out there. It's, it's mind blowing. It's Soren's incredible person. And he dedicated his life to service. And just like we are. And I'm, I'm super glad that he's here with us. Soren, thank you. Please hold on the line as we hit the outro music and we'll talk a little bit more. People, we'll see you next week. Midnight on Earth, y'all. Thank you very much, Jake. here this is the afterthought this was our shortest episode clocking in at an hour and five minutes so I thought I'd create a little bonus content for this episode and just tell you how much I appreciate you being a listener of this podcast it's now getting out there to 66 countries around the world. There's probably more I haven't checked since the last time I looked, which was about a week ago. Thank you all for being incredible participants in this forum that is attracting all kinds of really positive spiritual people and really funny people, just really good humans. It's just attracting good humans that want to share their information. So they're sharing that information. And we're creating something really special here. I really appreciate it. I don't really know what else to say. This is the first afterthought. I think that what I might do is record these post-interview thoughts and feelings because I don't really have a space for that currently as I always say this podcast is evolving it's changing it grows organically as I grow and what you'll find is it's never going to be the same as it was just like we all should be personally developing 
We're never going to be the same as we were before. We want to be better. I want this podcast to be better. So maybe after we do these incredible interviews, I'll create a segment. I think I'm going to call it Afterthought. The Afterthought. And I'll be able to summarize and postulate on some of the things that we did during that interview. It's an interesting idea. And it's a way for us to connect. Just like myself and Soren talked about, we're creating these connections through these fields. When you're listening to me, our mystical fields are connecting. They're merging. I can feel you. <laughs> All of you around the world, we're feeling each other. This is the newest fear that Jacob Wyatt was talking about. It seems like we're all talking about the same thing. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) I'm just having fun. This is all stream of consciousness with the background music. It's very hard for me to edit anything out. I never edit anything out. I do a little post-production just to make it sound as good as I can because I want you, the listener to have an incredible experience listening to this podcast. So I guess one more thing I can ask you to do, send me an email. I love getting emails telling me what you think about this show. Telling me what you, you feel about these guests, how these guests make you feel. So send me an email. Tell me what you think. In closing, this is the very first afterthought bonus content after the outro music. I'm not going to remind people. You just have to know. You're just going to keep letting it play. Keep letting it go. You'll get more content. We'll have more fun together. You'll get the afterthought. Thank you again for being a listener to this podcast. Thank you for following me on the social media platforms that are required by the means of information dispersion. I guess that's all you can really say. Thank you for following me on all the platforms that you follow me on. Thank you for telling other people about me. And this podcast is really not about me. It's about the guests. I'm just the facilitator. The catalyst. Just like you are. Be the catalyst. There's a new one. Be the catalyst. Be the agent of change in your sphere of influence. Or not. (laughs) Like I said, this is all stream of consciousness. Give you something a little extra. 
some after time in the midnight on earth universe we'll see you next week thanks for sticking around to make this podcast episode just a little bit longer Bye.